Why do your recordings sound like ass? We're going to talk about that and a lot more on today's music therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois, and I am also a licensed clinical professional counselor. And Music Therapy is a mental health podcast for musicians and music fans. Today, I am super excited to share my conversation with Jason Bala of Dead. We're going to get to that in a moment. If you want to listen to previous episodes or learn about upcoming events or sign up for our newsletter, please visit musictherapypodcast.com. And if there's one thing you can do to help the show, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I hope you guys are all doing well and that you enjoyed your Memorial Day weekend. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and say we're in summer now. And with that in mind, our first show of the summer with, with my band is going to be this Thursday at Coles. That's June 2nd. We're going to be playing with Head out of Chicago and Kaylee Conway, who's coming down from Milwaukee. Um, that's again this Thursday evening, June 2nd at Cole's. So come on out and say hi. And we also have our next group session lined up for next Wednesday evening. That's June 8th with Chicago's art punk band Spread Joy. I really love their new album and, uh, it's going to be a really fun group session. So I hope you guys come out to Cafe Mustache next Wednesday, June 8th. So today I am talking to Jason Bala. Jason Bala is a musician based in Chicago. He's currently active in the band Dead, and he has a solo project called Accessory. Dead just released on Friday. They just released a new album called Blue Skies on the label Fat Possum. Jason and I cover a lot of topics. One of the things we get into is home recording. Jason uh, records and mixes the Dead albums. Uh, In the spirit of that, I thought I'd kick it off with one of my own home recorded songs. This song is called Chop Shop High School. Thank you. 
that was my song Chop Shop High School. And now let's turn to my conversation with Jason Bala of Dead. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Got a little nervous, honestly. You nervous? It's live. <laughs> uh, thanks for doing the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Okay, well, let me see if this will if this will ground you. I always start with um, the the first question I ask, so we can get a picture of your life these days. Is what does a typical week look like for you? Uh, really different every week. Um, Last week, I was on tour with uh, Bunny doing sound. Uh, I'm dating Jessica and the band Bunny. And so we went on a little trip before I'm going on a trip next week. So this week, I've been doing interviews and planning flights and just kind of like boring like travel details, like how many suitcases do we have and answering a lot of emails. So, so lots of like, emails. Lots of emails. So your life is not very routine, it sounds like. It sounds like it kind of depends on what's going on with touring and music. Mm-hmm. It's very uneven. Do you work any jobs apart from being in bands? Um, kind of uh, amazingly, this is like my first year I can just be musician. Is that Was that the goal? I guess so. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice byproduct at least because um, I like doing it. Let me... So, okay. You... You gave me sort of uh, some ideas of things to talk about, um, and I want to refer to that list. So um, you said for Bunny you were doing sound. Is that right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was like a funny – that's like what I used to do primarily as a job and kind of was like my entrance point to like Chicago music world was mostly through sound and like actually how I met a lot of um, kind of like bands my own age and stuff. Where I, I was working at the Empty Bottle and people would come through. Um, but I haven't done it in so long. It was kind of like like a real like shake the rust off kind of experience that week. And uh, I was like, I can't really screw this up. Like too much riding on this. <laughs> um, so you also are interested in recording, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been doing that quite a bit uh, more lately. You said you've been working on uh, a new album for Accessory over the winter. Um, yeah, I've been working on that. It's kind of funny when you hit me up um, to do this, that's like, was like my whole world basically from uh, kind of like December, January, February. And uh, uh, just this week, I've like only been like thinking about dead stuff because of this trip and everything. So it's like, uh, yeah, like all year so far, I've been like full accessory brain. And then just this last week, I'm like slowly like turning my gears back to like thinking about other kinds of music. So you've been in multiple bands, but can you give us a, a short list of the bands that you've been in over the years? Um, yeah, the first thing I really did uh, in Chicago was this band called Earring, which my Instagram is named after. And then um, soon after that, I started playing in Knee High. Those two things kind of ran for a while at the same time. Then uh, Dead started, and then all three of these things were kind of going at the same time. Um, then... I stopped kind of doing earring and knee high and then uh, it's mostly just been dead and accessory, I guess, which kind of has just filled in some cracks uh, for my own kind of, uh, you know, personal explorations that don't really fit into the world of like what you would, I think of as dead at least. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's actually something that I wanted to ask about is your relationship with being in different bands and um, were there any particular reasons? I know that I like to work on multiple projects at the same time because I get really frustrated with maybe a slower pace of a group project, so it's nice to be able to do my own thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, you know, are there specific things about each of these bands, maybe like the style of music you're working on or um, where the bands are playing or are there different things about each of these groups that compelled you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just kind of like where it's like all kind of just like where I am at the time. So like the earring thing was kind of like started as a solo project. And then when I met uh, Alex, who um, was the other member of the band, it just became a band kind of. I guess that's kind of how a lot of things have worked out. Like Uh me and Alex were buddies. And then uh, James and Mikey and Nehi, I was also like long friends. Like James was my first roommate. Mikey lived down the hall from us. And so it was just like really organic kind of like, oh, we tried one thing and then it was just like some kind of idea stuck. So then we just kept like, kept on down that road. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I guess like, and then with the solo kind of stuff, I think I wound up kind of coming back to it because there's just like a, a freedom of from democracy or something like that, which is in bands yeah. where I'm like, I can just do everything my own way. Like, yeah. um, which I, I really love both of those processes because they yield such different results. And it's also nice to have your ideas changed or even to like be like oh my idea isn't good in this situation or whatever or like you know like listen to other perspectives and and that's i know the beautiful thing about life anyways right just different ideas so okay that was something that you mentioned when you had written down things to talk about is i'm gonna i'm gonna quote you what you said um trying to so collaboration relinquishing ego and control trying to support the best idea rather than an idea that is just mine. So is that something that's felt like, it sounds like you've, you've consciously been trying to change your relationship with that and how you operate in collaboration with people. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I'm a bit of a control freak um, or like, I don't know, in, in ways. And so like, it's been like a long learning lesson of like, just because it's like my idea doesn't mean it's the best, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> which is obviously like, duh. but um, I, and mo- mostly just, I think in the music sphere. Cause like, but I did have this like one moment when uh, it was like 10 years ago and me and my friends, it was during the sm- snowpocalypse uh-huh. and uh, two of my, me and my, two of my best friends were building a snowman and I was like completely micromanaging the snowman assembly. And then I was just like, what am I doing? Like, what does this become? So I think it's like been a constant thing in bands and stuff to like uh, try to let go of my, as much of that as possible and just like let things happen. Were you a bossy kid? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, and not not that I was aware of at least, but I don't know if I had the, uh, you know, self awareness at the time. So, if I may ask you to explore that for a second. What do you think that letting control, letting go of control, why does that feel difficult? Um, I think because maybe I just have like such a clear picture of how it could be in my head. Mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, it's like already figured out. I don't know. I guess it's probably mostly that. And I'm like, oh, I can see the path of how to get there already. But I yeah. guess I've just realized that it's like, oh, yeah, that's just one of the paths. 
you also you also said the word ego in there, which makes me think that it also maybe feels a little um, hard to let go of an idea. Maybe that's um, a little bit of a bruise. I'm not quite saying this correctly, but maybe mm-hmm. there's a fear there. You know, maybe is my idea the best or someone else's idea the best? What does that mean about my ideas? Right. Or you're like worth as like a creative person or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think definitely like when I was younger, I had a lot more sense of like wanting to like prove myself or something. Like I was never uh, for like when I was younger playing music with other people and stuff, like I was definitely like supporting role. Like I wasn't, you know, I, I just didn't have the opportunity to really like, I feel like prove myself or something on the stage. Uh-huh. Um, and so then maybe when I got the chance to do that, I was like, oh yeah, this is my chance, you know, but now I think it's like more valuable even to just be able to be what help realize whatever idea in the best form that it could be. And like, yeah. I think that's like my goal now, or like that's my role in like a creative endeavor or like recording something, you know, cause it's just like, it could literally be anything. You're just starting with a blank canvas. And so to just like be a better listener, I think to like what the song is or whatever. So, and let's just take dead because that's um, the group project that you're focusing on right now. What about, are there moments? I would think there'd be moments where both people think theirs is the best idea. Yeah. I mean, I think in that situation, especially like, you know, me and Emily both sing lead basically. And we take turns doing that. And certainly in the writing process, like our basically the process is just like jamming and then whoever can catch like a vocal melody first and like yell into the <laughs> mic first is like, we're like, I won or something, you know, but then like, I think like through all the, all the processes or whatever, both of us have been gotten better at like, you know, we'll, we'll each give those things a chance and then it'd be like, all right, well, which one like really hit the chord right? Or like what, which one yeah. felt better or like had more ideas that could fall out of it or whatever. And sometimes like something gets tucked back around or maybe, you know, like, something I was singing inspired a guitar line that stays, but then like my vocals are gone or whatever, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like you guys, um, I was going to say, do you feel like your guys trust in that process has grown over time or does it still feel like something you have to kind of work through? Um, it's not too much of an issue, but I think it's also, I've just been able to come at it from all this time. And like, at least for my end of it, it's like, feeling like my goal is to just make the best song possible mm-hmm. uh, certainly helps at least I, I, on my end. Do you, um, do you ever come to your guys brainstorming sessions with ideas beforehand or is it all kind of through jamming and just playing around with ideas together? Like 95% jamming, uh-huh. which is kind of nice. Cause I, I think I've had this problem in like lots of collaborative things of like coming up with an idea. Also probably like why I like, the solo project exists is like sometimes it's just like hard to communicate your idea to someone or if they don't hear it right away it's like discouraging or something like that and Mm -hmm. so I think that kind of works especially with dead like it's just kind of hard to realize it whoever is bringing an idea in with the exception of like Eric writes songs and then when he uh, happens to kick it to the band um, they usually are like pretty effortlessly just kind of happen which is Nice, but he's like a special creature anyway, so I don't know. He's lucky. <laughs> so accessory, this is something you've been working on. What are what's coming out of this album? What are you? What is it sounding like? And what are there any themes to it? Um, yeah, I thought of like a really corny way to describe it earlier, but 
I was thinking, uh, like, a, you know, maybe some someone who could like write about it and like be called like rhythm and moods or something like that. Because uh-huh. um, it's like definitely like beat and groove inspired. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to like stretch myself, uh, like play a lot less guitar. Because um, that's kind of like what I I feel like I'm probably known for the most is playing guitar at this point. And I'm like, I'm tired of being like a guitar guy. I want to just like have it all be about like singing and like I've been playing a lot of bass, which I used to do in like my very early band. So it's been really kind of fun to get back to like this other kind of instrument and something that's much more just like vibe and feel kind of rather than like have to be these melodies or something, you know, which the bass is kind of like that instrument that it can have its moment, but then it also is just like something that like holds it down, you know, and like makes a song better. So yeah. maybe that's kind of, I'm in the bass world right now. So are you using uh, real drums? Or are you using samples or where are the beats coming from? Kind of a combination. I've been like, I did a s- s- couple day session with Dave Vitrano, um, which was really fun to work with him because it's been forever and we used to be in the studio. That's kind of like who I learned how to record from uh-huh. was uh, him recording different bands that I was in and then me just like obsessively watching over his uh-huh. shoulder, like probably uncomfortably close. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I did a session with him where I was playing the drums and then some of those songs, it's my drumming and then I, some of it I'm resampling it like the drums I played and then like turning them into like new beats and stuff like that. Um, I've been really into like um, Mad Lib and like Earl Sweatshirt and different like um, uh, kind of like the beat head people. So I've been kind of like trying to take like some inspiration from that arena. Are you, are you working on On the Grid? Yeah. Yeah. Or like it close to it, I guess, which is kind of like the enemy. It's so hard. You think um, it's hard? Yeah, I think so. Just cause, um, it's hard to get the feel right, you know? It's hard not to yeah. make it sound too too gritty, too, too, math, too yeah. much math. Right. I, yeah, I know what you mean. That's kind um, of my, like, my newest like learning lesson that I like, haven't quite got there fully. When Dead records, do you guys record to a click or do you just play? Um, most of the time it's just playing and we just started using a click more. We did like this um, remix record last year mm-hmm. and had a bunch of people... Um, sample stuff that was from our record flower of devotion uh-huh. and it was really funny how many people who I had sent stems to be like oh that wasn't on a click was it and i was like wow you could just tell by you know you're, everyone's <laughs> trying to like loop something and it like is probably proving too hard yeah it, well why are you guys moving towards a click uh i think it just like makes adding extra stuff in the recording yeah. process easier yeah. Like we're, I mean, I'm trying to like make things that are like more dynamic and textured and stuff. And it's just like really kind of hard to, especially like rhythmically and drum stuff with Eric's world. We're like messing around with lots of like extra textures and things. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's really hard to keep it like feeling right. If there's just like a million things that are like kind of off. How does Eric feel about the click? I think he likes it now. You think he it's likes all- it? It's like always hard because it's just this like loud, annoying sound in your head. But sometimes we'll like change it to like an instrument sound or like I'll EQ it or something. Uh So it doesn't sound so like, I don't know, just like, you know, your like alarm when you're waking up in the morning. Right. So, okay. So that kind of leads to another point that you made or brought up, which was um, 
the idea of using mistakes and imperfections as a way to make music more human and mm-hmm. kind of the happy accidents that you find when you're playing with those. Can you, what are you thinking about there? Um, I guess it comes in a lot of ways, like in writing dead songs, especially lots of like times, you know, we'll be jamming on something and I'll kind of like figure out a part, but then I'll, we'll be playing it long enough that I start screwing it up. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, usually that just like creates these like new melodies that I, you know, would never have played. Cause it's like, I wasn't trying to play that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, but that has a, that has a cooler rhythm or something. So like I adopt those and then that just make those the parts kind of. Yeah. Um, and it keeps it interesting for me cause I have been playing guitar for a long time and you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I have hardly scratched the surface. Like I'm kind of a, I can play guitar, but I feel like I'm kind of an amateur at it. Like I don't know a lot of the tech stuff. Um, so I can get intimidated in that realm a little bit. Like uh-huh. we went to, um, we went to this like really fancy studio in Texas recently. Um, we were like on tour and the, our record was getting mixed, but there needed like a couple extra things. And we we're in this really fancy studio. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like the, before we got to work, like we were talking to the engineers. I had two assistants. I was like, engin- like I had two assistants helping me. I'm like, I've never had this luxury before. It's already so crazy. Oh, you were engineering uh, it, the session? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, we, I, I recorded all the dead stuff. Okay, gotcha. Um, so it was just kind of like intimidating to have like really fancy gear and like I have two assistants and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, we had, before we got to work, we we're like talking about all these people that uh, had just been in there. And I'm like, oh, wow, all these greats and everyone who's like ripping up these synths and stuff. And then I'm like, all right, let me just find the note for a second. Like, can you play that back? Or just like, uh, not quite right, all right. Um, yeah, not, nothing like being in like an intimidating room full of fancy gear to make you feel like you don't know what you're doing at all. Do you work on Pro Tools? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is another thing you brought up while we're talking about production recording is you, you were talking about, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because I, I kind of want an example you said the concept of production and how to record and arrange songs to do the emotions the most justice. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have, um, if anything comes to mind and something you've been working on where you were like, we made this choice because we felt like it really supported the emotion or what we were trying to convey here. Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, maybe I could actually do the, the one accessory song that I sent yeah, you. Yeah, that's uh, Eyes for Berlin. Mm-hmm. It's kind of old, so I feel kind of bad because the stuff I've been, you know, just talking about is sounds a lot different like that. But that's probably like the first example when I really started like building a song from the song up rather than from the instrumentation or something like that. Like I wrote that song. I just like wrote it one day. Actually, I was like incredibly hungover and uh, I had like I had to go to work. And I was I was doing these like sound shifts at the Beat Kitchen sometimes for like yeah. a ki- a kids show. And so there would be like um, various people. Some the one person who would play sometimes Mary Macaroni. This other person, like uh, lots of like fun like outfits and stuff, you know. Um, and and like tons of kids screaming and everything. And like I had like partied and stayed up way too late the night before, and I had to go to work. And like you know, I I, had, I think I had my my I, I was late for almost late for work, so I didn't have my bike. And I, so I just like walked home from the beat kitchen, which is like a four mile walk or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just wrote the song in my head. Like I just had all the words and like the melodies and stuff. But then like I I only had the words and the vocal melody. So then I built it all from there. 
And that's okay. what I've been doing a lot lately, but it's kind of a new process for me to do that. Cause normally it's always been like guitar and like maybe the whole song's kind of written and the melody's there, but there's like no words. recording and arranging songs to support the emotions. Yeah, I think that one has a couple different versions of it. 
where this was like the final one I've done mm-hmm. because it's just like, well, like one is just like maybe a, like a world that I'm trying to put it in and that some of that's like dictated by like what instruments you're using, obviously. And then I guess the other part of it's like, yeah, maybe you put it in the wrong world and then it like sounds too fun or like it sounds, I don't know. I, I It's been kind of a while since I thought about the other versions of that one, but I was just working on this song actually for like a new one. And uh, I've been on like six different versions of this track. And like the first one I made, it, I was like, oh no, like this sounds like, this sounds like the Backstreet Boys or something like that. <laughs> and then like the next time I was like, this is like the 80s. Like I can't quite know it, you know? Um, so I guess it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm maybe not doing a very good job answering your question. But No, I, um, I mean, music is kind of a hard thing to talk about. Um, but what, what emotion are you trying to convey with this song? Or is there a certain, it could either be the whole song or maybe a certain section. What are you trying to, you're talking about kind of genres. It sounds like this genre, but what, what right, right. are you trying to Well, this, that song was mostly just about like trying to like, I guess maybe kind of being like getting stuck in this place where you feel like super familiar with uh, your surroundings and the world and maybe your life and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and maybe a little bit bored of it all uh-huh. um, and underwhelmed. and uh, But then being able to see it like with the eyes that you have for a place that you've just been for the first time or like when you're yeah. fully immersed in this new place and it's all full of wonder and joy and you're like so curious. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, with, kind of like longing to have that feeling again and especially just for your life as it is. So thinking about the recording as it is here, what do you think gave it that feeling? Was it certain instrumentation choice? Was it certain chord changes? Yeah, I think I think I was trying to do too many chords before mm-hmm. uh, and make it too complicated. And I think in this one, it just feels nice and empty. And uh, the tambourine is kind of nice because it just like echoes off forever. And it's just kind of like you know, the emptiness of that life can feel like sometimes, I guess. Do you, are you into chord theory and that kind of stuff? Or are you more like an intuitive songwriter? I, I wish I knew. I honestly was playing guitar today and I was like, oh, maybe I could think about the chords and I, I just get stuck immediately. I think I would like to read a book or, about it, but I I'm, haven't. I'm, yeah, I'm the same way. Um, it's like a superpower that I'm like, it's right there. But I just can't, haven't done it. I don't know. See, I'm always like, oh, I don't want to intellectualize the music. I just want to feel it. That's my rationale for not getting into it. I feel that too. <laughs> um, even though that's totally lame. So, on my part. So, <laughs> here's here's another thing that I also find interesting. The quest for hi-fi, lo-fi. What do you mean by that? Oh, man. Uh I mean, it's like the constant battle that I'm torn in. I think maybe everyone goes through this, but... With this new Dead Record, for example, I was on the peak of my, like, hi-fi quest, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, but like, I don't know. I've always kind of, like, hated stuff that sounds super nice. But I also, like, I think as I've gotten older and made more music and made more recordings, like, I realized, like, the value of it in certain aspects. Because uh-huh. it's, like, kind of in one way, it's, like, effective communication. Where yeah. you're, like, oh, I'm just showing it to you in a way that you can understand. Or that it like you know like it might like it might feel really loud and exciting, but it doesn't. But it just is like because of how it's captured or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So like trying to use that, but then like capture dirty things with that effective communication, you know? Yeah. Like that's been my kind of goal. And then I, basically I made, finished making this dead record and now everything I'm like, I blow up everything in uh, some kind of, you know, preamp or saturator again. So I'm like back to where I started, like in the early, like, 2010s where like everything is just smashed through a cassette or um, yeah like Dave Dave Vitrano again once when I made the first dead record he like I didn't have any recording gear so he lent me a console mm-hmm. and he is like hey just like this preamp sounds sick when you blow it up I'm like awesome so I just blew everything up I was like great I'll just turn it to maximum volume awesome <laughs> great um and like that still sounds cool I don't know so I'm kind of coming back around I know he's a bit of a controversial figure, but I really like his music. Do you ever listen to Ario Pink? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's great at doing that, I think. Although he's kind of gotten, at least from, I haven't heard much of his new stuff, but I feel like he kind of went to a slick realm where it kind of lost the personality for me a little bit. I think the label made him do that. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, but it is interesting. I feel like he's a really good artist to just hear that contrast and the, or Pom Pom, I feel like is sort of the perfect, blend for him but yeah mm-hmm. um the going super slick and how that his songs came across versus like you know definitely some of his early stuff and anyway so yeah it's kind of finding that sweet aesthetic spot it's cool i definitely love the like element of it where it's just like <laughs> all, all the mistakes like uh kind of like in the in the storyline of my obsession with like the Earl Sweatshirt music catalog and stuff, I found these like YouTube series where him and this guy Knowledge are like DJing for like hour sets or just like cool songs. And uh, Knowledge is also one of these uh, guys who's like super just like about the beats and like having it be really raw and like if the record's really warped and and buzzy, yeah. you know, and it's like. Like we leave it all, like leave all the mistakes and then like uh, they were like doing all this commentary in between the songs. That's really amusing. And that's like was one of his slogans. I forget exactly his wording on it, but it's like, it's like, it's all unperfect. Like we're, we're, it's all the mistakes here, you know? And it's like, that's kind of what I want to do too. Cause it's like, I don't know. I just respect that more like to do it and then be like, yeah. And have the confidence in, in like, that doesn't like speak to quality or your ability or aptitude. It's just like, this is how I like it. I like it a little dirty. Yeah. I mean, I think it's at a certain point, it just becomes your intentional choice of here's how I, here's how I want it to sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, are is dead, are you guys aligned on the sound when you're kind of how hi-fi, how lo-fi? Are you guys on the same page with that? I'm like really fortunate in that position because they, for the most part, just kind of like let me roll with it. And then we, uh-huh. I like check in as we're going just to make sure it's all cool. But they, they give me a lot of uh, kind of freedom to just like explore and kind of uh, try it out, whatever I, is kind of going on in my head, luckily. I had a thought and then I read somebody's comment and he said, there's something that feels like a song can fall apart, but it doesn't. I think speaking to like mistakes and keeping things kind of rough and lo-fi. Yeah, it's yeah. exciting. And it like again, it's it's like life, you know, like sometimes it feels like that. Do you uh do you reference albums when you're engineering? Um I not too much. I think I, I try to like 
on this accessory record, I have a little playlist that I actually run to as like my inspo playlist, but that's like the first time I've ever done that. Otherwise, like I like might be into some bands at the time, but I'm like afraid to listen to it too much to like be too influenced by it. Yeah. So what are a few of the tracks on your accessory inspiration list? Oh man, some good ones. Uh, there's a song called the deep water by Portishead. Uh-huh. Um, have you, do you know the song? Which album is that on? Uh, I think it might be on three. I, think I love that album. It's, it's awesome because it's, um, it's like a ukulele song. And uh-huh. then like, there's these crazy old timey background vocals on it. Um, and then it's really short. The lyrics are beautiful. Um, just kind of about feeling overwhelmed and stuff. Um, and then the next song is a song called Machine Gun that yeah, literally just sounds like a machine gun. And it's yeah. like, oh, I love that they this band put this song here. It doesn't sound like it should be a Portishead song at all, but it makes so much sense in this yeah. context. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I love that stuff. So that's kind of that that's one of my songs. And uh-huh. and and that's kind of one of my inspirations in general is just like unusual combination and letting things work because they're in context of something like some things are like the most like straightforward I've probably ever made, uh-huh. but I'm what like, what do you mean by that? Uh, just like, you know, some chords and like vocals and maybe not a whole lot else or, oh, um, okay. and like vocals, like up really up front, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and then other stuff is like really trashed and short. Um, other songs that I have on that list, um, kind of like a, a, a guilty pleasure e-song that I don't really care for that term, I guess, but um, is this guy Bakar. Um, I forget the name of the song, but I heard it on XRT actually. And it's just like the production is really cool. Um, Cause he's like, he actually got his start from sampling um, King Cruel songs. Uh-huh. And then someone picked like some major label picked him up and all of his songs are not, very, I, I don't really like any of his songs other than this one. And the music video is really bad, unfortunately. But uh, the song is really fun. Um, he's got a great lyric about uh, eyes like mountain, they're green as Mountain Dew. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> um, let's see here. I'm just going over my list. I make notes before we talk. Oh, well, yeah. Do you, what's the plan for the accessory album? Do you have a release date? Are you still working on it? I'm trying to finish it by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It's kind of been nice because I was working on it up until I went on Bunny Tour. And then I kind of have this little tour here. So I feel like I was kind of obsessing over it for long enough that I take a, take a month off, come yeah. back to it, and hopefully I can knock it out. Um, Dead's going on tour in May. So I got April, June, July. That's roughly what I'm hoping. We'll yeah. see. How do you feel when you listen back to albums you've made? Are, do you like them? Are they hard to listen to? Uh, I haven't done it in a long time. I usually, usually it's like kind of a fun trip down memory lane though, I think. Yeah. And maybe I'm like, oh, this is better than I thought it would be listening back now. Cause I feel like I'm always learning. So mm-hmm. especially through dead records, I like, and cause I'm so closely linked to the recording of them. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like basically listening to my like education kind of, you know? Yeah. Do you, um, I'm trying to ask a question about like your inner critic. If you have one, if you have a strong one, and how you 
you know, I, I, when I think about this podcast, I think about some listeners are maybe musicians who are more starting out or more fighting, fighting their way through the learning and maybe not achieving the sound that they want to because you just have to kind of push through it. I'm wondering about your own inner critic as you've learned and recorded and been in several bands. What What is your relationship with that like? It's, I think it's like wild mood swings, honestly. Yeah. Like some days I'm like, wow, this is the coolest thing. I'm so excited. Like I can listen to this song a hundred times. And then uh, the next day I'm like, this is the worst thing ever. I can't believe that. Like I thought this had any merit, you know? And uh, honestly too, like um, there's like this funny thing. Like sometimes I watch like gear videos like I watched some gear videos during the pandemic like uh-huh. I'm not even like a gear guy but like I got into it a little bit because I've been building like a home studio so I've been like I'm trying to learn and uh sometimes like listening to those people or reading comments uh I'm just like oh my god I don't know anything and then I'm like wait who is this person like especially in the comment like gear review or something I'm like I like this microphone actually or like whatever yeah it's all arbitrary um so like I can kind of like I was getting in a real crazy headspace where I was like oh I can't even make a good recording if I don't have like yeah. this so and so compressor or whatever and then I was like wait you know what? like I don't know I guess it's just like a tempting thing to think that there's like the holy grail out there but then really like the truth is it's like you have everything in your head and like you know you have ears so you, you can make anything sound good have you if seen you have that ears. thread online. Which one? The like all you need is ears thread. This like engineer. No, on. are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> That's I, funny. I gotta find. I, I'll send it to you and I'll put it on the show notes. Um, yeah, it, I found it very inspirational. He just is like, all you need are your ears. You don't need fancy this or that. And he just basically gives everybody a, you know, a boost who's like struggling with exactly that. It's really good. That's so nice. I mean, it's really depressing because especially like with the internet, every cool secret, any like cool little random niche box that you could ever possibly randomly find at a garage sale, it's like, it's like been blown up, like the cover's been blown and like they're all four or five, six hundred dollars. You know, it's just like, it just seems like you're like, oh, I missed the beat on recording or something. Like if only I was 20 years ago. You feel that way? No, but I think sometimes I do, I guess. But I, I, like, I've gotten, I've worked through it. I'm, I think I'm past it now. But Another question I wanted to ask you, again, this is kind of coming from asking you is, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to, when you have those um, moments where you're kind of getting in your head, where do you turn? Do you put it aside? Do you, are there people that you send things to? And like, how does this sound? How do you get encouraged or get, get back into it? Mm, I don't know. I think I just kind of keep plugging along. Uh-huh. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I don't like, I don't know. I send, I send some songs to some friends. Like I used to have this, um, uh, I used to live with the, like at this house for a long time and there was always this revolving cast of people that lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, everyone up until the end, uh, most of the people weren't musician people. Uh-huh. 
Um, so it was really nice to play music for them because I was like, oh, this is great. Like, you'll tell me exactly what you think anyways because you're they're, we're all good friends of mine. But also, like, they weren't hearing it, like, with musician ears or whatever, or yeah. maybe not even particularly interested in the kind of music that I was making. So it was really great. I was like, if you get it, then I feel a little bit better. Yeah. But I was like, if you got, if you're like, what's this intro all about? I'm like, okay, you're right. That was just like so, a little too self-indulgent, whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so there was like that, but I guess like, I don't know. I think I just like let enough time go and then I kind of get a little bit detached from putting too much of my like emotional stake in in the success of the song or something like that. And then I can kind of come back to it and be like, oh yeah, this is good. Or sometimes it's also not good, which is okay. Yeah. Um, And I think like just realizing that you can have bright shitty songs and you could spend days recording them and then be like, oh, okay. Well, that was fun. Mean, it doesn't mean you're a, a crappy songwriter or a crappy recording artist. It just means it was a bad song. Yeah, and it's a great learning opportunity. So I just tried to learn from that stuff. Made so many, like had so many mistakes, whether it's making music or like in the music biz, just like doing something that you thought you were supposed to do or someone was like really encouraging you to do. And then like, you're like, oh man, just like, spending like a ton of money on like you know like a music video one time when it was like I don't know just not like when it's just like I don't think this is a good idea but you're like I'm just gonna go with the flow like sometimes you're like I can trust myself or like why are we making this music video or like putting this version of this song out or something like that like I don't know if anyone feels so strongly about it but we feel like we have to do it uh-huh. Kind of like that kind of stuff where you're like, I, there's these expectations on you and you think you have to do it because everyone is more experienced than you and has been doing it forever and they're telling yeah. you it's a good idea. But the thing I've been really like embracing lately is like the reason why you're there or that those people have the interest in telling you what to do anyways is because like you got, you got there already right. kind of like yeah. by your own intuition. Cause you got ears. Um, so it's kind of like, Oh yeah. Remember that you got ears. And then you're like, okay. And, and, and a heart and a gut and everything else, you know? Yeah. Trust it. And I think also you're saying like, take a step back, give it some space. Mm-hmm. Especially with like, yeah. Especially with the music stuff, like objectivity. Because even, even it's just like sometimes you just work on something so long and you just can't see it anymore. Right. Um, so what is your, um, what's your, I'm really interested in people's relationship with social media. How do you feel about social media these days? Well, I actually haven't been on it until um, I promoted this DJ session I just did last week and then this. So I've been off of it of, of um, Instagram since uh, like uh, the end of October, middle October, uh-huh. which has been sick. It honestly has been really easy, and I probably spend about the same amount of time on my phone. But now I just read the New York Times on my phone. So does somebody else do like the dead posting? Yeah, Emily does all of that, which is um, I'm lucky that uh, they enjoy doing it because I, I I yeah. I just like would find myself like I hate I hated being alone somewhere or like if I like was meeting a friend somewhere and I was there early mm-hmm. 
like the immediate impulse to be like, I need to like look at this or like distract myself. I'm just like, I love looking around and like, I'm just going to stare at you. And like, I'm sorry, but I'm just like, you're, you guys are around here. You're, it's way more interesting than what's on my phone. Yeah, it takes a lot of uh, intention to do that. I mean, I every time I'm on the train, everybody is on their phone, including myself. It's just like, man, we're all s- stuck. Um, it's crazy. But it's easy, too. Like, I, I totally get it. And it's really easy to just, like, do that and then... I don't know, not have to like talk to yourself, I guess. I don't know. Totally. Or whatever it is, you know, like maybe you don't want to think about something. Maybe you just want to be entertained because it's like a shitty day. I've been reading a real book and like I'll have these urges to put my finger on a word if I don't know it to highlight it to like, you know, how you could look it up in the dictionary. It's like, oh, that's funny. That experience is <laughs> too much phone time. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> So a couple questions. These are sort of geared for, again, people who maybe are starting out or have these kinds of questions for somebody who's been more experienced in it. Um, You've gone on tour a decent Mm -hmm. amount. And uh, one thing I'm interested in is what are your, what's your advice for healthy touring? Well, well, I guess um, I struggle with this. Also, like I have a pretty good, routine of like running and doing stuff here Mm -hmm. Uh, but my record for running on tour is one day and every tour I bring my running shoes and my shorts and Uh like my whole little like extra luggage bag you know like a little tote bag of all that stuff and then I still only go Uh one time Uh it's just like hard it's really hard to do work in the car it's really hard to run um, which I feel like is the best thing to do because it's like free and you can really do it literally anywhere, yeah. you know, uh-huh. and hopefully you can get a shower, you know, to wash off if you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like try to run if you can, but if you just do it once, that's okay too. Cause it's hard. Um, what gets in the way? I think just like wanting to sleep mm-hmm. mostly and just like, it's just kind of hard. You're just moving around all the time. I, yeah. I don't really know what exactly it does to your motivation, but like I definitely have all the motivation in the world to just like drive for eight hours. But for some reason, waking up an extra half hour early to run, I might even be awake already, but I'm like, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. I, I really don't know why. Maybe it's just like, I just want to be like comfortable for a little while before I have to just like start moving for basically an entire day until you go to sleep again. Because it's just like, you know, you're driving, then you're loading, then you're sound checking, and then you're like killing time. So maybe you go for a walk. Yeah. Kind of hard to say. I'm, I'm going to, that's my goal this year, run a lot more. Um, but otherwise, I really try not to buy too many, I, don't, I try not to buy snacks at all, unless it's like a real kind of like, I want to treat myself kind mm-hmm. of day from the gas station. Cause that's, that's where it can go downhill. You know, you buy a bag of chips and it's just like, it's gone. Um, yeah. especially on the long drive. So sna- no snack. And if I can help it. And so then, um, cooler, how do you eat healthy? That's a big challenge on the road. I think eating's tough, but it's actually not so bad. I remember going on tour, um, earring and the hex did a tour and, um, the Hex uh, were vegetarian. It was, when, it was just when they were two-piece, and we were also two-piece, so we are all just in one car. And um, 
I was not a vegetarian yet. And I remember how like, it was like so much more difficult to really find like food to eat. Mm-hmm. But lately it's like, the options are kind of like everywhere. It's really nice. Oh, okay. um, especially like most, most cities, like I feel like most cities have some kind of thing, you know, where it's not just fries or something. Yeah, totally. Okay. What would you, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to learn recording and engineering? Ooh, just like you could just buy the cheapest interface. Like I think digital stuff is pretty cool because it's like, you can just do, I don't know. You can, you just like can explore a lot of different things that might, you might not have access to like compressors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, you can just have these digital plugins or whatever. Um, and a lot of them come with whatever you have and you can at least learn the concepts maybe before it's like spending all this money to buy something. Mm -hmm. But, um, also I I had like a Tascam tape machine, like a, like a cassette one Mm -hmm. that was amazing to like learn because you really learn, I think a lot more about like, limitations and like the value of a cool overdub or something like that okay buy a 57 uh, get it get one 57 it's like 100 bucks and then yeah. just use that for the rest of your life it's a, yeah. like an amazing microphone um let's talk before we wrap up tonight there's one more song that you sent along this is a dead song called bad love do you want to uh share a little bit about this song Sure. Yeah. So this um, just came out last month and it's the first single for our new record that comes out in May. And um, this is basically, yeah, kind of like maybe the antithesis or like the, maybe the the sort of top of the hill that I started climbing with maybe this Eyes for Berlin song where it's like, it's a kind of a simple rock and roll song, but there's lots of textures and um, little moments that kind of happen throughout that, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, and we, and I uh, and I made it a little slick. So, um, <laughs> and it's just kind of fun to see if you can, you know.
adding these textures, is it difficult to replicate those live? Well, um, I don't think so. We, we, we actually started like, I think some of them, obviously, the kind of big thing that always is missing in a, a dead song, like, you know, if there's like two guitar parts, like sometimes I'm like, I really wish I could play this guitar line, but I just don't know how. Yeah. But I think what, like we make up for it maybe in um, just energy. And I <laughs> think that's like something that is like magical about live shows anyways, is like you kind of, you know, at least for me, I, I don't need to hear like the, the record exactly because it's mm-hmm. just like a different experience. And, you know, you're watching these people do this amazing thing and it's more so just about like watching them rather than I'm like, where's that like triangle hit, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, which do you like better, performing or recording? Uh, I've been doing a lot of recording, so probably performing but probably by like the end of may i'll be like okay. let me get back in the studio yeah you can flip back and forth uh just like with your music projects mm-hmm. um yeah thank you so much for being on the show today i really appreciate your time and it was really fun to talk to you thanks for having me yeah i'm uh, i'm uh, really glad i got to do it and this is like only my third time going live and the first two times was with a lot of heckling so it's nice uh, to do it this way. It's like a very comfortable and fun conversation. Good. Um, cool. So where can people, you know, listen to your music and keep up with all the stuff you have coming out? I guess, you know, all of the streaming platforms are, are good candidates. And uh, the dead website is dead.horse. Where's Accessory? Not really anywhere. It's on Bandcamp and I guess like Spotify and Apple Music and stuff. Okay. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks, Jessica. Okay. I want to thank Jason for his time today. Uh, I hope you guys are all hanging in there. Come on out to Cole's this Thursday and come out to Cafe Mustache next Wednesday for a music therapy group session. Visit musictherapypodcast.com for previous episodes and upcoming events. Music Therapy is hosted by Jessica Risker, produced by Sullivan Davis of Local Universe, and engineered by Joshua Wentz in Chicago. See you next week. Peace and love until I see you again.